Welcome to 52 Episodes to Science Fiction Film Literacy. My name is Chris Garcia. Roll sound. One of my favorite films when I was a kid was Time After Time. And it's a pretty phenomenal film when you watch it today. For a bunch of different reasons. One, it has an amazing science fiction pedigree. Because of how it presents who and what it presents. It is, with the possible exception of one Robert Block story, the best science fiction portrayal of Jack the Ripper. It's also one of the very few performances of someone playing H.G. Wells and not bringing the bile to the back of my throat. (laughs) It's got a fantastic cast, most notably uh, David Warner. You have the wonderful Malcolm McDowell. Of course, you have Meredith Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen, whatever her name is. And it really bounces off a whole bunch of different concepts. One, Jack the Ripper, and... At this point, just before the 1980s, the 70s had been a decade of serial killers. And it was sort of a paranoia. There was also that whole, uh, what were they called it, the satanic terror or panic or whatever it was. But really, serial killers were both real and everywhere, apparently. And you had Son of Sam, you had... The Zodiac, uh, the last vestiges of the Zodiac killer was still, there was a paranoia around. And I remember being a kid and having that sort of in my head. And so you had all this happening. On the other side, you also had a great resurgence in interest in early science fiction. And you had the reprints of uh, the Jules Verne, uh, books in new translations that were actually fairly good, considering the ones prior to that were terrible. And sort of a resurgence in Wells as well. And I want to say that part of that was the uh, rediscovery of his full writings, and they were being slowly republished places. And so having a film where Wells is the main character more or less playing Sherlock Holmes in a way. Kind of. It's odd. I often get it confused with the time-traveling Sherlock Holmes uh, film, which I can never remember what it's called. But it definitely, there's a time that's happening where you're seeing time travel is being portrayed a whole lot. And not only back and forth in time, but also sort of the stopping of time. I'm thinking of, uh, what is it? The... The Boy, the Girl, and the Golden Watch, or something like that, where it was time-stopping. And so time travel was out there as a concept. And so when you had this wonderful film, time after time, coming out, it was really a very interesting exercise. And there's some fantastic hand-wavium happening as well. And Malcolm McDowell is great. He's great in everything, though, so what are you going to do? But the real interesting thing, one, David Warner is phenomenal, and he would come to become one of the best science fiction actors of his time. And he didn't really rise to the level of the Hammer actors of the uh, 
of the 50s and 60s. He never challenged Peter Cushing, for example. But he was certainly phenomenal. And you can see it in this role and, of course, in Tron, that he was really putting forth this sort of ability to work within very strange settings. And here he's great. He's somewhat maniacal. Maybe even more than somewhat. There's a great twist at the end also that I'm not going to give away. I know I don't care about spoilers usually, but this one is actually strange and silly and smart and brilliant enough that I'm not going to not going to give it away. <laughs> but it's a really fun fun movie. But what's more important is that if you look at it, and it did okay in the box office, there's a whole lot to it. Because you have these setting in London with Wells and all that sort of thing happening there and, and Jack the Ripper. And you have the setting in San Francisco, including a beautiful uh, early shot of the Hyatt Regency in just one of the best with the Wicker Death Star, as we call it, where we used to have our uh, meetups on Fridays in San Francisco. And you have the time machine itself. All of it is so brilliantly put together. And at that point, San Francisco looked like it was going to be the sort of cultural capital of California. And there were a whole lot of TV shows and Streets of San Francisco being the noted one. <laughs> but several of them were up there. You had a whole bunch of films that were coming there. Uh, you had this, you had Foul Play, a bunch of other ones that were happening all at about the same time. And it was really a resurgence for San Francisco in the national and international media. Sadly, it didn't quite play out. But you had this wonderful array of performances. And this is really an act, a film made by acting. And that's, that's hard to say about a lot of films, because quite often it's the script, which here was good, I wouldn't say it's phenomenal. And there are a couple of little tiny plot issues where things sort of butt up against each other as far as the time travel goes. But overall, it's very fluid, it's very strong as a film. And the score is phenomenally good. I absolutely adore it. So that's Time After Time. Next week? I don't know. I have to check the list again. I think we're going to be starting in on the 1980s. 